Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host Emma Pulova. November is the National Novel Writing Month, and our guest today is young adult author Melanie Huenga, who has been participating in the Writing Challenge since 2008. Melanie is a designer, jock, reader, beer and wine lover, wife and puppy mama. At the end of the interview, Melanie will share the details of her book giveaway of Flickr. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you very much for having me. Why did you decide to participate in NANO back in 2008? And how did you find out about the writing challenge? So when I first heard about it, I had been considering writing a novel. I was actually living out of the country. I was living in Mexico um, with my ex-husband starting in 2007 and I was not working and I decided I was going to write a novel like this is I didn't I had a lot of free time and so I threw myself into researching the publishing industry and this is when writer blogs and author blogs were really popular and um, kind of got enveloped in that world and NaNoWriMo was something people were talking about and I had written a memoir as my first full-length manuscript and then got this idea for a book um, and decided I would try NaNo and so you know because I, I had the time and um, thought I would do it. And, and I'll say it's, it's not as hard to meet those word count goals when you don't have a job. <laughs> so, you know, and my only responsibilities were making sure I cleaned the house and kept my husband fed. So it was, it was not quite as challenging as it probably was for most people in the world who are participating in this. So it was easy for you, would you say back then? It was back then. Yes. I, as a writer, I wasn't as developed as I am now. So the, the things that I like about NaNo, I really learned at that time. And it was, you know, everything from how long I can write at one time before I'm done. Like I can't write, I typically don't write 1,667 words in one sitting, um, a thousand words at a time I can do. And that's pretty standard for me when I'm on a roll. Um, oftentimes it's 500 to a thousand. So I learned, I need to write that in a couple different periods of time. Like I don't try to do it all at once. Um, and that was something that took me several nanos to learn. Um, and you also have to kind of let go of, you know, you can't edit while you're writing or you're never going to make any progress. Right. And even, even now I struggle with that because I want it to be perfect. And that's, that's not what this is about. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. That's a challenge in itself, right. not to edit. Yep. Right. Why are you participating in the challenge this year? And mainly, how are you doing with your project? So this is funny. So I'm working on my 13th novel, I think right now. Um, I've published eight. And last year around this time, I wrote, a, I published a blog post called Nano No More. And I'm not doing Nano anymore because X, Y, Z. And I gave all these reasons and I've learned enough about, or not enough, but I've learned about myself, what I need to know. And there's no point. Well, the problem is I keep, I write about one book a year and I publish one book a year because I have a day job. And I keep publishing them kind of at the end of the summer, beginning of September. And that lines me up where I'm first, I take a break and then I'm doing research and I'm outlining and plotting. And it just kind of works out that I'm starting my new book in November. <laughs> so once again, I found myself approaching this November deadline as I'm getting ready to start writing a book. And it just seems silly to not at least try to participate. So that's what I've done, despite the fact that, um, I, I swear I don't need to do this anymore, but I love the camaraderie and I love, you know, connecting with different people in a different way than we normally do. I have a lot of friends from Instagram that I'm connected with now on there, and that's not something we typically do. Um, but the book that I'm working on, it's the third book in my campfire series. It's called Chasing the Moon. 
the first two were chasing the sun and chasing the stars. So we're keeping with a kind of space theme, but also outdoorsy camping thing. And um, as I mentioned right before we came on live or on air, um, I, I still have to do the research for this. Um, it's the characters I feel like I know pretty well because a lot of them are in it from the previous books, but um, they're hiking in the Grand Canyon for five days. And so I need to research not only just, you know, Grand Canyon, but hiking in the Grand Canyon and what yeah. do you carry and the guides. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I've, I've already talked to, I oddly had two fr um, school-age friends who have teenage daughters who recently hiked and camped. I don't think camped, they hiked in the Grand Canyon. And so I've, I've talked with one of them already to kind of get their children's perspective mm -hmm. on all of that. Uh, but I reached out to a few other friends who said that they've done some hiking. And so I need to set up calls with them to get kind of that personal input that angle on that. Mm -hmm. looking online. I feel like anytime, I mean, that's true for anything nano or not, but anytime you can get kind of a firsthand account of something that's really helpful. Um, but yeah, I need to basically look at pictures of Grand Canyon and I've heard there's a discovery session on hiking in the Grand Canyon or camping in there that I'm supposed to watch. So I'm hoping to watch that as well. But this book, I didn't even say what it's about, did I? So they're hiking in the Grand Canyon and it's a dual POV. Um, <laughs> one of them, the side characters from Chasing the Stars, Melody, um, is now 18 years old and she likes her best friend who's a female. Um, and it's the POV from her and the friend as they're on this trip with the families and other people and kind of exploring what it means to go from friendship to something more. But also the main character is... Um, she's a really popular video person. I think it's going to be on TikTok, but I try not to name actual social media accounts in my books because it just dates them, but essentially a, a viral TikToker type person who does science-based posts. And so there's this drama that somebody duetted her and it was, went badly and she's in the Grand Canyon and can't respond and there's because there's no internet signal or whatever. So um, that's kind of the theme of it and just kind of deciding yeah, I have, I clearly can pitch my book because I haven't written it. So that's about all I have to say. About so it. to what extent have you planned this book? Um, I've outlined it. I do a rough outline. Um, I'm, I've always considered myself a plotter as I've let, sweat up a little bit more. I might be more of like a, not, I don't, I'm not a pantser, but I don't, my, each chapter is like a paragraph, maybe a couple sentences that I say what's going to happen. Um, and as I get further along, I may fill that out a little bit more, but I don't have like pages for each chapter. My chapter is only a few pages long. So, um, but I do, I've done some extensive character development and figuring out, I like to figure out what is everybody's kind of like, what's their pain point? Like, what, what do they want? Why can't they have it? You know, what happens if they don't get it? Even the minor characters. Um, one thing that a lot of readers have said is that they really, that my side characters have a lot of depth as well. It's not just the main characters. And I really take pride in that. And it's because I think I take that little bit of time. And even if we don't get into it too much in the book, just knowing that they have this undercurrent going on and there's something no. challenging them, um, I think gives, makes more well-rounded characters and makes it more interesting to read. Absolutely. Yeah. So what tips that. can you give to the participating Rimos this year? So one tip is what I said kind of already is don't expect that you have to do it all in one sitting, especially if you're not used to writing this much. Um, you know, I prefer to write in the morning. I typically um, get up, you know, start my day an hour sooner than I need to. That's my time. And my, my writing chair is right. You can't quite see it. It's right behind me. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it. Well, I'm in my office chair, so I have another chair behind me. Um, but I have this like chaise lounge thing and that's my writing chair. And so I, I sit there for an hour and 
Um, some days I can write a thousand words in that hour. And some day, this morning, I think I wrote 500. Um, and so ideally then if you're working like I am, you know, at lunch or after work or something like that, you know, you try to get those few other words. Um, you know, one thing I tell people when I first started writing, I had really, really low word count goals for myself. I like daily goals, but it was like a hundred words. Um, and as you know, as a writer, like a hundred words is nothing like that does not take very long to write really what it is. It's that trick of getting yourself to sit down and do it. Um, exactly. it, it was a little bit, yeah, you get going. Um, I'm a big fan of motive of like motivators. So I think, oh, I, I literally have, I realize that people listening can't see this, but I have a bag of chewy screws literally right here. And I give myself one every hundred words. <laughs> and, so and you reward like, line, yourself, right? I reward I, myself I line, with chocolate. I, with I line chocolate. them, I line them up next to my computer or wherever I'm sitting. And every now and then I'll catch myself reaching for one before I hit the hundred. I'm like, no, no. And um, it, it's a surprisingly good motivator. <laughs> so, it works. Um, yeah. But um, other than that, you know, one thing I do is, you know, if you're stuck on a word, like, oh, this isn't the right word, is I use brackets and I just put the next best thing in there. And that way, when I'm going back in my edits, I remember like, oh, this isn't the word I want. And usually I know it when I read it, that that isn't what I wanted. But doing that um, serves as a visual cue and it allows me to know like, okay, I've, I've made that no, I know this isn't right, but I can keep going and it's not going to stop me. Um, because you can get hung up so quickly, like going to thesaurus.com and what are all the options for the word discovery? Like what can, mm -hmm. I, what can yeah. I have? And, um, yeah. You know, so really anything to keep yourself focused. Um, I've resorted to throwing my phone across the room so that I can't check my phone while I'm, while I'm trying to write. Um, it's a bad habit that I have. So, you know, really just, you know, lower your expectations of what you're doing and then, but, but increase your expectations to stay with it, you know? So don't expect perfection, but expect dedication, if that makes sense. So. And how did you get rid of the tendency to constantly edit after yourself? I, I've been struggling with that too. And that just slows you down overall. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And sometimes I'll catch myself and I'm like, what are you doing? You've been staring at this page for 10 minutes. Like, no. And I give myself one minute and, if, and sometimes it just takes getting back into that habit. Um, I hadn't been writing since the summer when I finished my last book. So for me, it's not only trying to write this daily word goal, it's just getting back in the habit of writing again. Um, I have to catch myself when I realize I've paused and say like, no, no, we'll, we'll do this later. Like you're not doing this right now. And, um, sometimes, you know, just put a sticky note on the edge of your computer <laughs> that says, you know, keep going, don't stop. You know, it does, it's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah. So how has nano helped you reach your goals? Um, it's taught me a lot. Like I said, about like what kind of a writer I am, how I function as a writer. Um, you know, when I first started writing, I said I lived in Mexico, I wasn't working. And, you know, say my goal was a thousand words. So I'd write my thousand words and then I'd be like, oh, well, maybe I can get another 200. And, mm -hmm. and so I'd sit there and I, my brain doesn't like that. And I, I didn't know it at the time. And so mm -hmm. I would go from having a productive, you know, one and a half hour writing session to sitting there for three hours and feeling defeated because I couldn't get those last 200 words. Mm -hmm. And it took me several books to learn that about myself. You know, there's other people, they're like, oh, I crank out 5,000 words a day. I'm like, I can't sit still that long. Like I just, I get distracted and, and it, it does not work. I can't for me. do it. <laughs> no, you know, and that's okay. And I think, you know, it's, too easy. This is another big thing too, is, you know, don't compare yourself to other writers. It's really hard not to, especially with nano. That's and you have big. With, that you know, one is really big. Well, and especially no. you have buddies and I'm looking at my buddy list and half of them are in like the 30,000s already with their word count. I'm like, what the heck? 
like, I, I'm about to hit 10,000. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not there. <laughs> I'm supposed to be at like 12. No, I'm supposed to be at 18,000 right now. I'm at like the half, I'm half of what I'm supposed to be at right now. Um, but it just, yeah, you just kind of, the, the benefits there, I think is just, you know, really learning about yourself and it, but it translates into other things. And I've done school visits, um, where I talk to kind of like middle school age kids. And one of the things I talk to them about is how to tackle a big project. So whether mm-hmm. it's learning a new sport or a new instrument, or you're studying lines for a play and, you know, I don't make it all about writing because not everybody in school likes to write. Um, but I say, you know, you, you take this huge thing and of course it's going to be intimidating, but if you break it down into smaller steps, you know, that's, you can approach it better. And so I've really kind of lived by that with whatever it is If I, you know, if I, I, you know, I have purple walls behind me and I painted my room. And so the first step is you pick out the paint. The next step is you put the tape and then you have to like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so it's not paint the room. It's, you know, one step at a time. And then, you know, now Mm -hmm. we do the first coat or we do like the first wall and, you know, it's, it's a pretty basic concept, but it really helps me. And, you know, I recently started a new job and I was under a lot of stress at my previous job while looking for a new job and having mm-hmm. other things going on, but it's like, nope, but, but applying for jobs is step one. Like I can't, I can't leave <laughs> until I do that. Like I have to do that part and, you know, and it's stressful, but it won't be like this forever. And so, um, you know, keeping your end goal in mind is helpful too. And, you know, reward yourself. Like it doesn't have to be candy, but it can be, you know, and, and if you have that time and, you know, especially on a weekend, if you, you know, write 500 words and go walk around the block or, you know, go, I, I started doing like jumping jacks and stuff during the day. Cause I I'm working at home now and I'm in this room all day long and I need to move around. So I'll get up and Mm -hmm. do jumping jacks or, you know, kick my legs around or something just to, to reward myself from doing that work. And then you sit back down and do it again. I go for a walk. Yeah. And then write again. When I yeah. come back from a walk, I write again. Okay. How many books have you published based on your nano participation? Oh, geez. Um, I think four. Okay. Um, so, and it's tough because all of them that I, well, not all of them, but since publishing the first book, all the books that I've worked on for nano, I've published. So I may not have one nano, meaning I didn't hit the 50,000 word count goal at the end of the month. I did finish the book and I did publish it. Um, okay. Now, now the first one that I published, I did complete in that time. I, I won then. Um, there were a couple that I won, but um, yeah. So of, of the actual winners, I'll say four, I think. So That's pretty good. Yeah. So today we'll be talking about your nano 2010 book, Flickr. Tell us all about it. What inspired you to write this book? So Flickr, Flickr is about a girl who uses sunlight to go back to yesterday. So it starts off where she uses her ability to fix silly things. So if she gets in a fight with her friends or fails a test, she can go back and change it. And um, in Flickr, there's a mystery where girls in her town start disappearing and she realizes she could help them, but she'd have to tell someone her, there's her secret. Um, so I got the idea and the flickering comes from, so if you've ever been in a car driving on a sunny day and the sun comes through the trees above you and there's like a strobe light effect, um, it really messes with my head. Like I sometimes feel like I'm going to have convulsions. Like, you know, it's, it's really bad. Like I have to shield my eyes and, um, and it's not even just in a car, but usually it is in a car because you're going fast enough. And I was in Detroit going to visit my grandma and 
driving when all of a sudden I'm like, what if there's a girl who, when this happens, she goes back to yesterday. Like it literally just like popped oh, in my head. Nice. And I like that. I know. So I was like, what? Like, I don't write things like this. I write contemporary books. <laughs> so I still, I wrote a trilogy that Flickr is the first book in the series, but I still swear that I'm not a science fiction writer. Um, whenever I'm at events and I talk to people and say it's time travel, they're like, oh, I love time travel. I'm like, eh, you might not like my book because it's it's more about what happens when she goes back and she only goes back to yesterday. It's not like she can pick and choose or anything like that. But yeah, I just kind of, I got the idea. I had not written young adult before. And, but the, my previous books, I had teenage protagonists and some friends had, had suggested perhaps I try young adult. This is around the time when Twilight was really big. Um, and so, you know, I was new to the genre, but I was like, Hey, why not? And I'm like, let's try first person present tense while we're at it. So, um, I did all that and just loved it and realized, so that's what I write. I write first person present tense. Um, I love the immediacy of it. You can't dawdle on a whole lot of things because you're just basically stuck in the character's head. If you're doing that, um, there's certainly limitations, but yeah, I really enjoyed that and, um, did a lot of research. There's something called the Buka effect. I think I have it in the beginning of my book. That's something they see in helicopter pilots. So, you know, you think about, a helicopter, it's got the steady rotation of the rotors and the sunlight coming through certain pilots. Um, it affects them the way it affects me and they can't be pilots basically, or they can't fly a helicopter. There isn't a known cure for it. Um, it's just something and flicker vertigo is another word for it, which is, you know, how I landed on using flicker for, for her, what she calls her ability. Um, and what I named the book, but I will say when you use a common word for the title of your book and for a syndrome, you can't use it in any other context in that book. <laughs> so, right. you know, so flicker, I can't right. refer to, I can't refer to flickering lights or anything like that because mm -hmm. it's, it confuses the oh, reader. Yeah. So for three books, I couldn't use that word. And so in my next book after that, I'm like, I get to use flicker again. <laughs> so what was the biggest challenge in writing flicker? Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, um, knowing you'd ask something along this line. And I think the writing wasn't the challenge. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, and getting into that character's head and just kind of the whole thing of it. For me, I was newly divorced, living in my parents' basement with a puppy. <laughs> so like, I just remember and I was at a job I didn't like, but I would bring my computer at work at lunch and I'd write at lunch and then I'd come home and I'd, I'd write real quick after work. Um, and just find these little pockets of time to do it. But I remember, I feel like it was more my like life circumstances that were challenging than it was um, anything with the actual story. Um, it was a completely different concept for me. And so, you know, there was some learning to go along that way, but um, I, I really enjoyed the writing part of it. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book, from writing Flickr? Um, I think that I can come up with a cool idea that really puzzles agents. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I queried this one. So I ended up self-publishing it, but I did query it for about a year and a half and um, several agents had the full book. And it's, you know, if you if you know anything about the publishing industry, it's that it's a business at the bottom end of the day. And if sure. an agent doesn't know sure. how to market, if they don't know how to market your book and it's, you know, it's considered kind of a magical realism, but that was a little bit before that was really becoming a thing. Um, I didn't know what to call it you know, I don't know why I thought an agent would. Um, so I, I never got any bad feedback. It was just, I don't know what to do with this. Um, so, which is why I ultimately decided to self-publish it. But um, I think, yeah, just, it was the first one I published and I, you know, I did the cover myself and I had some help with the formatting at the time. Now I do all my own formatting, but um, 
it just, you know, having that finished product in your hands and knowing like I could do it, like that's really what started this whole thing for me. You know, I'm, like I said, I just published my eighth novel in September or August. And, um, you know, I, I don't see myself stopping. It's like, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily lucrative for me, but, but I enjoy it. And I, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. I, I don't, that's not even, I hope not. you have well, to no. keep on going. We all have to keep on going. There's, I tell you, there's days that I'm like, how do people have free time to just sit around and do X, Y, Z? And I'm like, oh, cause they're probably not like having a job and writing books and doing this. And so sometimes I think like, oh, but my life was so much simpler when I didn't do this, but, but I love it. And I love the community and just everything about it. So that's not going away. What sets you apart from other authors in your genre? Um, I think I write really good dialogue and that's not to say other people write bad dialogue, but that's an, an, another thing that people have really commented on. And, um, you know, I've had people ask, like, do you listen to people when you're out? And like, I haven't been out in two years. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I have a little bit, but, <laughs> but, um, but no, I'm a social person and I, I like to talk. And so I, I try, I feel like I have a good ear for that. And I listen when I'm, you know, watching TV or movies and things like that. And just how things people say things, but I, I did study it a bit in terms of knowing that you drop all the little hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's like, Hey, you know, you come in and say, Hey, and you're like, why did you do that? Like, just jump into the conversation. You know, you don't jump in. Yeah. And, and le- there's a lot of little filler words that you don't need to include, um, that sometimes people do. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's the part. And like I mentioned, my, my sub characters, um, are always really well, really well-rounded. I've inadvertently started this thing where like the best friend always upstages everybody. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> But my best friends are all awesome. Like I love them. Or like in one of my books, it's the brother. So it's not quite the best friend, but um, I just put on Twitter the other day because this, this is the third book in the series that I'm writing. And one of the characters who's everybody loved from the first and second book, he finally entered the, entered the scene. And so I screenshot that little bar. I'm like, Theo has entered the book. And everyone's like, yay. <laughs> so, yeah. So what are the major takeaways from your book? From Flickr? From Flickr, yes. Um, in terms of me as a writer or just the book itself? Mm, the book itself. So I think, um, it, and I'm really looking at it as a bigger as a whole series, because in the first book, she's looking at this ability that she has as more of an affliction. Is it something bad? It's mm-hmm. something she doesn't want other people to know about. She's afraid for her parents to know because, you know, she gets, oh, here, I didn't mention, she gets really bad migraines when she gets back to her present time. So say it's like Friday afternoon and she flickers and she goes back to Thursday. When she gets back to that point in time on Friday, she's hit down with a really bad migraine. Now she, while she doesn't understand it, she knows why she's getting them, but she doesn't want to go to the doctor or go to the hospital or run tests because she doesn't know what they're going to find. Um, and so she's got medication for migraines, but she really tries to play it down, even though like she can't function. It's not like I get migraines and I can still kind of get through my day, but she has to be in bed. Um, so in the first book, she's really, you know, scared about being different and other people knowing that. And by the end of the first book, she's learning that she can help other people, but she has to trust other people to tell, you know, she has to share her secret in order to be able to help these other people. And through this series, this isn't really spoiling anything, like through the series, she comes to see this as an ability and something that she can actually help other people with and not just be selfish. And some of that, you know, like coming from the team perspective, it's, you know, you, as you get older, you learn that too. Like everything is very much self-centered and about yourself and how it affects you. And as you get older and you get more mature, you learn, 
oh, my actions affect other people and I can choose whether that's a positive or a negative thing. Um, so I think that's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. And so we kind of touched on what inspired the title Flickr and that you can never ever use it in that particular <laughs> book, which right. is both good and bad, right? Yeah. All right, would you like to read to us from yeah, Flickr? So so I, the book opens with a prologue, which is only like two pages. So I may, I'll watch the time, but I may read the first couple pages of the first chapter too. So here we go. Sunlight pulses across the dashboard, light, dark, light, dark, and catches the dust dancing on the imitation leather. My eyes stutter, but I blink it away. My heart jumps in and around my chest. I stroke the grainy piece of cement stuck between the, my back teeth with my tongue. The orthodontist swore he got it all, but that was as true as his promise that it wouldn't be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Right. A tingling sensation pricks the tips of my fingers. I press them together, watching the blood shift beneath my skin. The tingling turns to those sharp needles that remind me of anything but sleep. I press harder and my toes start tingling too. What the hell? The dancing on the dashboard gets faster. The trees here are taller, straighter, and the sunlight strobes through the branches. My breath catches and a sudden heaviness pushes me in deep into the seat. I glance at mom, but she's concentrating on the road humming along with the golden oldies or whatever the hell it is she listens to, oblivious, oblivious to the fact that something very weird is happening to her daughter, to me. I close my eyes. The heaviness lifts, too much. Now I'm floating and, but mom, I'm fine. Mom crosses the kitchen and leans against the counter. Biz, you're going. The dentist said your face will change if you don't get braces. Your entire face could look different. A sense of deja vu slams me over the head. I've had this argument. Next, mom's going to grab the stack of mail that dad left on the counter and toss it in the basket. She does. Biz? The words tumble out of me. Mom? The deja vu doesn't lift. This isn't a memory. I'm not in the car anymore. I've gone back to yesterday. So that's the prologue. So do you want me to read the first couple pages too? Do we have time for that? Yeah. We have a little bit of time. Okay. I'll be quick. All right. So chapter one. I've been flickering, jumping back to yesterday since I was 13. The first time I thought the orthodontist gave me more laughing gas than he was supposed to, but in the four years since then, I've, I've figured out that I can use the light to my advantage. I've retaken tests, undone fights with friends, and repeated more than a few memorable dates. Unfortunately, this is not one of those times. Music blares from a speaker in the corner of the gymnasium, the heavy bass vibrating through me and everyone else flailing on the dance floor. A disco ball throws flashes of light spiraling off every surface in the room. I throw my head back and close my eyes, pretending to lo lose myself in the music, when really I'm just trying to block out the damn light. I love this song. Amelia, my best friend, grabs my arm and bounces next to me. Her wavy dark hair sways with the music, unlike mine, which hangs limp over my shoulders. My eyes open a slit. Didn't disco balls go out in the 70s? She laughs, a throaty giggle that makes me smile. So keep your eyes closed. I won't let you run into anyone. You're right. I sway next to Amelia, scanning the crowd for Robbie, my boyfriend, and spot him against the far wall laughing with a couple friends. His blonde hair practically glows in the blinking lights. He notices me watching him and smiles. As I lift my hand to give a half-hearted wave, a low chuckle behind me makes me turn. How long did you promise to dance? Cameron, my other best friend, stands flat-footed with his arms crossed, indifferent to the movement surrounding us. His dark eyes twinkle, a smile lifting the corner of his mouth. Amelia spins, sending her hair flying. Three songs, this is number two. And thank God it's almost over. She laughs, come on, Biz, you love it. She throws an arm over my shoulder and we knock hips. Cam nods at our friends, Cam nods at our friends near Robbie. I'll be over there. The song ends and the blinking lights slow to a lazy loop around the room. Crap. I also promised Robbie one slow dance and from the look on his face as he weaves through the couples already pressed together, I'm not getting out of this. He smiles. They're playing our song. 
We don't have a song. I know, but I requested it. So that makes it our song. His lips graze my cheek and he places my hands behind his neck. Our bodies brush as we turn in a small circle. Is this really so bad? He whispers, no. I rest my head against his shoulder. My eyes close, but my thoughts are anything but relaxed. This is supposed to be what I want. A boy who wants to dance with me and spend time with me and seems to think I'm cute. So why do I feel so antsy when he's around? I mean, I know why. He's hardly the first boy I've dated and I always get this feeling after a couple months, but why can't I just be happy? And that's it. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Would you like to give us the details of your book giveaway? Yes. So I'm um, giving away, and I've forgotten, did we say a print or an ebook? I think we said, did we say print copy? But in I the think US, we said print. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, so if you're watching this, it happened to be, a, here's a copy of Flickr. Um, and yeah, we'll be giving away one copy to um, anyone who lives in the continental US, but I don't know how we're entering. How are we doing that? The first person who emails you about the book with, oh. with their address okay. will get the book. Great. So that is our giveaway. Perfect. And before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and Digital Quill Services for Writers with author Kali Nye. Melanie, would you like to give us your parting shots? My parting shots? Um, if you've got a story in you, just write it and don't worry about everybody else or what they're doing. Just stay focused on yourself and do come up for air and celebrate with your friends then. <laughs> um, but, but, but keep at it. And at the end of the day, you know, or at the end of the year, you'll have, you'll have a book. So, and it's the best feeling right. in the world. All right. And here are mine. Buy indie, read indie and write indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Log in your word count daily to win the Nano 50K challenge because you too can become a published author. Listen in on major podcasting apps like iHeart, Stitcher, and many more, Podbean. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you very much.